0: Good afternoon. Good afternoon. I'm Dr. James Smith Jr. and Welcome to the Dr. James show. I know I say it every week that I'm excited for our guests. I'm excited for you to meet our guests and this is no different today. Uh, I'm used to interviewing people, interviewing experts, people who are are, are compelling with their craft and their, their mission. Today, we definitely have that person, the people leader. I'll just tease it that way. Um, He is the founder, CEO, and president of EDA Contractors. And I wish I'd met him a long time ago. Ed DeAngelis is an amazing leader. Let's bring him on now. Ed, welcome to the Dr. James Show.
1: Thank you for that great introduction. You know, I'm humbled by some of your words and I'm excited (laughs) to actually speak with you and speak to some of the things I'm very passionate about and and kind of get to know me and kind of how I think. You know, maybe that'll be good. Maybe that'll be be bad. We'll see how it goes.
0: All right. I trust that it's going to be amazing. Before we dive into the Ed DeAngelis and the EDA contractor story, we're going to go to our segment called Alumni Love. We love to love on our alumni. This week is featuring Toy Sweeney. So let's watch our, our brief uh, segment with Toy and then we'll come back. We'll come back to you, Ed. Toy Sweeney, welcome to Alumni Love. You know, here at the Dr. James Show, we love loving on our alumni. You've been on the show. You did the darn thing. But something tells me you're still doing the darn thing. So, fill us in. what's been going on in your life?
2: Oh, thank you so much for having me. Well, um, I have had the opportunity, thank you, Jesus, for uh, to check off one of my big, big goals this year. And I finally <laughs> completed my TED Talks. TED Talks! TED Talk. <laughs>
0: TED Talks! Oh my
2: gosh. I, yeah, so I got a chance to do a TEDx a few weeks ago. And um, if you guys want to check it out, is you can just jump over to Um, It's there. I'm so excited about that, sharing a little bit of my story. Um, and hopefully, you know, you'll find it very inspirational.
0: That's huge. Uh,
2: That's huge. Toy. Oh my gosh, I can't even believe it. Like I never thought that it was going to, like I was going to be able to do it this year, but it was on my big scary, scary, you know, goal (laughs) chart. And so that is one thing checked off. (laughs) Um, The second thing that um, has happened is that I launched an online shop called the Well Dressed Brand Shop. And we are focusing this spring on the psychology of color as we are all working through these uh, very trying times, I launched a graphic t-shirt line that's all about color. And so red tells the world that you are powerful, ambitious, and courageous. And there's like 20, all these different colors that just really... Promotes us and get us right back into the world, understanding that we have the ability to control our narrative through colors and sway the way other people think about us. So mm. I'm very excited about those two things. And that's just kind of what we've been working on at the Well Dressed brand.
0: Toy, you don't slow down one minute, dude. <laughs> get it in. This is the way Toy does it, right?
2: Listen, we have to. You got to keep moving forward regardless.
0: You gotta keep moving forward. Toy doesn't slow down and Ed DeAngelis doesn't slow down either. Ed, I, I've done my research. I've talked to folks, but I wanna hear from you. Who is Ed DeAngelis? How would you describe you? Hmm. You know, I think I'm a, a regular
1: guy. I really do. I, I grew up in a row home in Philadelphia, you know, middle-class family. I think I'm, you know, I don't think I'm overly bright. I think I'm, I think I'm intuitive. I think I like to learn about people. I like to learn about things and I'm passionate and and very hardworking and caring about what I want. So, you know, to put it in a nutshell, if I want something, if I care about it, I'm an addict, I will go at it and then I won't finish it until I've really chewed it up. So, you know, and I i think I'm a loving person. I think I'm someone who can care about people. I think I have a good empathy towards the human race and 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 the fortune that I've been given to be where I'm at today.
0: With that said, you're wired differently. I mean, you get it in, and I wrote a book called The No Excuse Guide to Success, and something tells me you live by that. When did this start? Was there a turning point, a tipping point? I mean, did someone? take you under their wing and say, listen, son, this is what you need to do. When did this begin? You know, I mean, look, obviously
1: we're all a product of our youth and how we, we grew up. And, you know, so I I have to say there's something inside me that my parents gave me that provided me something that kind of extended beyond what my original thought was. My original thought was, look, I want to be successful. I started EDA in 1999 and You know, it was something that I was passionate about to make money. I wanted to make money. That's all I was focused on. I had to survive. You know, you heard the stories that every business fails within the first five years or not every, a lot of businesses. So you're just uber focused on surviving and making things work. But then I would say about 10 years ago, something inside me just said, this isn't enough. You know, money isn't going to be what's going to make me the happiest. And I decided to really dive into reading and researching how to provide a different experience at my company and really dive into just more about the human beings. And if we could do it successfully and and at the same time, treat people in a a way that would be unique and different than what is read in every economics book that I read in college and things like that. It was not, it was something more that we could do. So
0: 10 years ago is when I really, really started diving into it. Ed, you've gone from a paperboy, which I was one too when I was younger, paperboy to running a 90 plus million dollar organization. Um, And 10 years ago, you decided that For us to go beyond the next level because i don't believe in the next level that's that's indicating that you're stopping to go beyond the next level you decided that you were going to begin to disrupt your industry roofing macho men roofing and introduce more of a culture change the people side of leadership um, emotional intelligence talk to us about that you know
1: that was the thing that i was probably the most concerned about was at one point it was like well okay i want to make this shift and everyone would say well you're in a, in a male dominated macho tough guy type business yes, How are you get to buy into <laughs> this and i must tell you that they're just look human beings are human beings and when you introduce something to them and you prove to them and you show them that you're passionate about it and you care about it and you're doing it for the right reasons. You're not trying to trick them. It takes a little bit. That culture and and being this way, thinking about yourself, be self-aware of who you are, understand your triggers and understand your emotional intelligence and not as as a way to be soft, as a way to be stronger, to be tough, to be powerful because you're not letting your emotions take over. You're going to be more thoughtful. You're going to be more you know, purposeful when you are making decisions. It it did disrupt people. People
0: thought we were going to go out of business. People thought we were crazy. But I do believe what you said. Um, I was going to ask you that. How, how, how challenging was it? Was it mandatory? You had to go to the training? Was it volunteer? What types of hurdles did you have to clear to get people to buy into your vision? So
1: I believe that the way you have to be able to buy into a vision is you have to feel it from the individual and 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 my job at the top is to make sure that they know that I am this is not a flavor of the month this is not something this is something that I care about so deeply that it's going to be something that I could speak with you and talk to you and just prove to you that my whole goal here is to help you I believe myself I look at myself as a servant leader my job is to make you better so it was it was hard. I don't want to be this touchy feely. We're going to talk about our feelings. We're going to be The reality of it is most of us need to talk, especially men. And that's why I think I am very focused on men. Men don't want to go to a place where they have to think about their feelings, but all their decisions as they move forward depend on them. So we build buildings. We you know, we have danger around us all day long. We, we could create danger. So to have someone a little more emotionally intelligent, a little more stable, believe, I believe that we're gonna get a better, they're going to, we're gonna give a better product, society gets a better product. And overall, I hope that the individuals that work for us can say that I also feel like my life has gotten a little bit better, just a little bit better because of some of the things we're teaching.
0: Okay, talk about how, talk about how this has impacted the business how it's impacted the culture, the workplace, your family workplace was based on everything I've read and, and saw, listened to. You basically have a family there.
1: A hundred percent. The thing that you, you want to have, it, it, it's impacted me. I think I'm a better father. I'm a better husband. I'm a better person because of the teaching and the things. And when I don't have to pretend to do it one way at home and one way at work, my life becomes much easier and simpler. I can be the same person here and the same person home. I want everybody to come to work here that you can be you here and at home. And if we teach you those things, we also believe you'll be much more powerful and then you will feel the community that you will get within a, a company. Everything at work doesn't have to be just a, a, some zero sum game. It can be a good experience. It doesn't mean that we don't, you know, we have to make profits. We sometimes have to, you know, discipline people or we have to let people go. These things happen, but you can do it in a humane, kind way and people feel it. And they may not love when you make decisions that are tough, but they know if you're doing it for the right reasons that they, that they feel like it's okay. It's part of life. Tell me about the EDA way. So the EDA way is, is a way to kind of encompass our mission, our vision, our core values, our, our behaviors that are important to us and put it all under one envelope. And we, you know, we kind of put it in a house and it, it allows everybody to kind of have a common set of ideals that they can kind of look at. And I myself use it as a guide for my everyday you know, life, just to say, am I you know, living proactively? Am I being passionate? Am I exceeding expectations? Am I smiling, laughing, enjoying life? Am I really making a difference in people's lives that extends beyond just the work, it extends to their family and to their home? So I think it's it's just the EDA way is just a, a, it's a singular kind of way for people to say, is this the EDA way, what we're doing right now?
0: I love it, I love it. I'm gonna go to the uh, chat room because we do have questions and I encourage you to send your questions, your comments. The question I'm seeing right now says, Ed, what challenges did you face getting people to buy into your vision, emotional intelligence? It ties into, you know, we touched on that a little, a little bit, but were there any additional challenges with getting people to buy into your vision? There, there, anything you wanna do in life
1: that, is, that you care about, that is gonna be hard, which you know, you have to take time and it is difficult. People, people don't really want to deal with their emotions but their emotions really truly make them great or make them, you know, have poor times, meaning when they have when they're in the wrong state of mind, we don't make decisions in life that are great. If we don't make, if we let our amygdala, which we learned about, if we learned, if we let our amygdala, which is the front lobe of your brain, if, if all your decisions are made on that, that's only there to protect you from extreme danger. But a lot of us live in the extreme danger for some reason when reality is 99.9% of our day lives in, in an area where you just got to breathe, think about what something said, and then just then make your decision to do, move forward. And, if that, and that's what I'm talking about could be putting a roof on, putting a panel on, doing masonry, being a project manager, being an estimate, being a husband, being a wife, being a boyfriend, girlfriend. It could be everything how we handle that. So the struggle was to let people understand that this is not about you just trying to do something here. It's about you thinking about your life and how do you move it forward. And it is a battle, especially with men. We are the worst. We have concrete for, for brains at times. <laughs> and we don't want to listen. You know, I am the kind of person when I would Back when there was no GPS and I would, my wife would say, you know where you're going. I say, I know where I'm going and I would be lost for hours. So I get it. I am one of those people. So it is difficult and it is a struggle and you have to invest your money, your time and your effort to want it. And you have to stick with it because it's not easy and it takes a little bit, but it definitely, I can tell you the payoff outweighs by, by 10,000, by 10,000.
0: And, and you said before the GPS, you would be lost for hours. Yes. There's a, a lot of companies out there that have been lost for decades as it relates to diversity, equity, inclusion. You're not, it's, it's, it's in your blood, it's in your mission, is in the culture. How have you been able to, to get people on board, to keep people um, fired up about creating an inclusive workplace where everyone feels a part and a workplace where white men don't feel as though they're losing something or it's not about us anymore. Yeah, I mean, look, societally, that's
1: a difficult thing to grapple with. It's a commitment that I believe is part of the EVA way that the only way we can really be successful is together. Our tagline is successful together. And that's just not a tagline. I truly believe that the only way we can be the most powerful company, let's just use EDA, is to have a diverse group of people who have different thoughts, who have different greatness in them. And if you exclude any person, whether it's a woman, a man, transgender, gay, straight, black, white, it doesn't matter. If you exclude any, you are missing some greatness in you. And the only way to be great is to be complete. And the only way to be complete is to include all types in your organization. Now, some people may not be good at one thing, but you have all kinds of different roles in your organization that you can provide. And one of the things that gives me passion to keep moving forward is to keep giving opportunity for as many people as I can to show them the, because the EDA way doesn't have a color, doesn't have a sexual orientation. It's about us. It's about people. And, and, the, the, the way we're going to be successful as a company, the way we're going to make money is together. I don't make, I can't do it. We have to do it. It is truly the only way you can be successful in a powerful way where you can build a foundation. And I can tell you, it's, you know, yeah, sure. It's, it's, it's difficult at times to convince people that we're not trying to take something away from you because we hired this woman instead of a man or we hired this man instead of a woman. No, we are, we are looking to make ourselves diverse so we can g- create greatness out of a. We don't want all groupthink. We only want groupthink when it comes to goodness. We want groupthink when it comes to caring.
0: So good, And I want you to, to imagine right now, you are in a social distance conference room with a bunch of leaders who are saying, Ed, man, this diversity stuff is a waste of time. We have to focus on results. You know, this is an HR thing. I mean, here we go again. Can we just get down to our results and get things done? What would you say to them in addition to what you already offered? I feel the same way.
1: We have to get results. I agree. But it you know, are you looking for immediate results today? Or do you wanna have results over time, long periods of time? And if you do, if you want to have something that wants to continue, you must create a group that can, that can be accepted within the entire, because you don't know where your industry is going. You don't know where the world is going. You don't know any of that. But what we do know is as America, the country that is so great, it's because it's diverse. It's not because it's one way. So I would say to them, yes, you can still do, I wanna make money, I wanna be profitable, I wanna be successful, but you must open your eyes and yes, make a little more effort, that's the thing. It's gonna take more work for you to create it the first, but you know what, as a CEO of your company, you must do it, it is your job, it is what you have to do. It's not, you don't get to choose it, you chose to be a CEO, you chose to be, that means your role, is you must do what is good for this organization today, tomorrow, and into the future. You must be that type of leader. And that is the only way. And it's not HR's job. It is 100% CEO's obligation to provide that type of leadership, in my mind, from it
0: love, love the fire, love the passion, because I believe that passion, P-A-S-S-I-O-N, means pass I on, and you are certainly passing you on uh, during this interview, as well as at EDA. Does your belief and mindset um, play a role in the whole EDA CARES uh, model and mission? Yeah. So
1: again, you know, EDA CARES is about really really appreciating where we are and appreciating the plight of other people and really giving back and really feeling you know i do it for selfish reasons really selfish because what i get back is so extraordinary when i give that i do i want to get more of it so i'm selfish i want to have more opportunities and i believe the people human beings in general and eda is just a you know a small microcosm of let's say america They love giving back. I have so many field people, so many office people who volunteer their time to go help some people who just need someone, a stranger to just say, I care about you Not because I know you. I care about you because I see that you're struggling and you're lucky. I'd like to help you. And you say, well, how does that tie into the EDA? Well, the EDA way, that is the EDA way you know we we are here to make money but we're also here to give we're also here to take we're it's it's part of the whole experience and you're going to be i would much rather stand next to 10 people who want to help someone out who needs help than 10 people who really only care about themselves so when you talk about a community that's the kind of community you want to have and that's when you're in the in the foxhole when you have issues you rally with each other to 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 get this project done to get through the problems because you know the person next to you deep down is a good person that wants to get through it with you and that's how you get through
0: it and we we know you do a lot of charitable work as you just said we have some pictures we want to feature and if you can tell us what's going on here so this is a -A make-a-wish so we i you know
1: partnered with make-a-wish probably about 10 11 years ago maybe even 12 and we said, look, we want to do more than just give you money. I said, look, the only way I'm going to give you money is I got to get my company included and my family included. And this was a, uh, this family was going to Hawaii. So we hosted a wow you know, a, a send-off party for the family. This This family ha- actually had 11 or 12 children. And uh, so this was a, and it was just a great opportunity for us to all get together again as a company and do something for a group of individuals who don't know us but know that we just care so it's a great opportunity you guys, you
0: guys love hard um, I, I like what i read that uh you love making money you love giving it away and this picture right here speaks to another of what appears yes. to be a charitable event
1: yeah this was a leadership training and at the at part of the leadership training was we would uh build bikes for kids who and and you know this is when you you start to speak to these children these are from you know lower income areas they've never had a bike Ooh. they've never you know and the, the the men the men who built these bikes the, the 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 tear in their eyes when they were giving these little kids the bike wow it was priceless i mean these construction tatted up tough guys <laughs> yes. were like melting when this kid said, this is my first, no one's ever given, I've never had a new bike before. Now, we take bikes for granted. These kids really, really, so it was just a, it was just a great experience.
0: It sounds like EDA is all about creating great experiences, not just on the roof. How about this one right here?
1: So this is an organization that I'm very you know, passionate about, Turning Points for Children, which is you know, this is a a situation where we, at the end of the year, go and give (laughs) gifts, Christmas gifts. We, you know, we used to go and wrap small Christmas gifts. And these are children that are at this bridge where they're, they're going to, you know, they've gotten in trouble. There's some issues, things are, you know, happening in their neighborhood and they're really going to get out into the, they're going to be 18. We go down there and we, we buy gifts for, you know, 50 or 60 we provide them lunch and then we speak to them and again it goes to i must tell you dr james that when you give a gift to a child who who has never had anything and we used to go down there and the men and the boys even the girls were kind of like you would give them a gift they'd be like, thanks and they were too tough and i had to talk to some of the counselors and the counselors were like look you don't understand they have to live here so that sometimes they don't want to be open because they think they'll get, they gotta be hard. But every once in a while, you get a person says, look, I really can't believe that you would come down here and give me a gift Mm. at Christmas. Now it's just me, this is just me. All these people get to experience, thank you. And And it just makes you feel like, wow, a small $50 gift to this child who's 17, but looks tough, but realistically is a child. Maybe that'll make them feel better. And maybe, who knows? Maybe they'll go along and feel a little better and they'll they'll do more. And you know what? And maybe they'll come work for me one day. And maybe they'll make construction better. Maybe, who knows? Why not? And I got my family involved because I, I think that's important for my family to, my wife is there, my daughter is there, my two sons were at the meeting.
0: And all, all this plays a role in, EDA three years in a row, best place to work. And in 2021, not just in Philadelphia, national, best place, one of the best places to work. That must make you feel phenomenal.
1: You know, it does. I'm very proud about any kind of uh, awards and rewards that, that we get. But I must tell you, and this is the part that I get a reward every day when someone is just Happy to be here, or just happy on what we're doing. And this is the journey for me is the best part. You know, the rewards are, are a nice part of it, but the journey has been so rewarding that I wouldn't expect you know anything from anyone if if they never gave me any any award or us. I, I know the reward is I get to speak to these people's families, and they get to say I really enjoy working here, and I love how we care about each other and things of that sort, which. And then we, we just become, and we can be successful together. So it's it's a good thing. But yeah, we have been- tells
0: me you don't have a problem with recruiting.
1: Are we, no, no. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I mean, it's that's one of the, the benefits to another CEO who wants to listen. Look, if you want good people, if you want people who have the type of, mind that you want to have you want to get the right people once they feel this they know they're either going to get on board with it or they're going to get out and that's just as important so recruiting is one thing and then recruiting the right people because then the culture helps the people who don't get it they get kind of pushed out because they don't fit into you know what you are trying to believe in moving forward so no, we have we have a lot of people who want to come work here you know, we have a lot of great we have a lot of great people here a lot of people don't want to leave, so I think it's a it's a good it's a good thing for us.
0: I always say when you have a wonderful place to work, you don't even need recruiters because your team members will do the recruiting for you. All you need is interviewers because the recruiting will take care of itself. And if you have a diverse team, you will have diverse recruiters doing it for you.
1: Which so, is one of the things you know, Doctor James. Just say on that for one second. Yeah. That's the other stupidity of not doing d- diversity. You are limiting the talent pool. Why should I limit my talent pool? I should expand my talent pool. Yeah, yeah. I get more talent with more people than just sticking to a certain type of you know, individual, you know, again, whatever it may be. It 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 really and an industry I'm in, which is predominantly white male it needs to change. And the only way for us to get to the next level is to accept the fact that as an organ, as a industry, we have to see that as an opportunity. Yeah,
0: it's, it's, an, it's an opportunity, but it's turned into a blind spot for many. And I'm gonna go to the chat room. Uh, there's some thoughts and comments. There's a question. First question is how do you separate yourself from your competitors? What goes into your, your thinking, your strategy, your your plans each year? How do you separate yourself? How does EDA separate itself from its competition?
1: I mean, again, it, it, it sounds so simple. Look, we supply commodity items for the most part. A lot of people do what we do. The difference is we like to take on a little more risk. So what we try to do is we have something called the EDA envelope where When we do a project, we like to do the entire exterior of a building, and we'll warrant it for for a period of time. And it takes on more risk. And my general counsel would say, "Oh my God, I don't want any more risk." But the reason we want risk is if you have the right people, if you have the people who you are willing to take risk when you have the right people. Think about sports. Think about a lot of things. When you have the right team, you're willing to take a risk, and that's why it that that um, strategy from, an, from a competitive standpoint can't be effective or successful if the people on the site, the people in the field, the people in the office, the people you know, all together don't believe that this is good for all of us. So let's do this and let's make sure that we care for it a little bit more, which gives us a competitive advantage. I mean, it 100% does. This
0: is good. There's a comment in the chat room that says, that sounds like EDA culture encourages people to discover their identity and operate from their truth within the community. Yes.
1: Yeah, well, and again, think about it. If, it's, if you're in your community and you believe that this is a good place, you're gonna to speak to it in a positive way and the organic growth of positivity. And I can be the person, look, five years ago, we were probably doing 40, 50 million. Now we're doing ninety. The proof is in the pudding. I can sit here and tell you that this isn't just a fantasy. This is a reality of if you commit to it, you can have success. But remember, you must have 100% commitment because people will be trying to push you down. When you're a disruptor, and you said that, Dr. James, in the beginning, remember, everyone's going to hate what you're doing because you're disrupting. And people want to feel like everybody's doing the exact same. It feels comfortable when everyone, you know, they don't want... They're gonna think that you're doing something and they don't like it. So you have to be prepared to have some you know bulletproof vests on when they take shots mm. at you. But the reality of it is, if you believe in it, I can sit here and tell you how it it, it works. I forget, forget, I'm talking about profits, sure. I'm talking about growth, and I'm talking about just, just the experience of coming to work and feeling like. You're all doing something for a purpose that goes beyond just money. Money, if your only purpose in life is just money, you're going to have a a hollow existence because you can never chase. You can never get enough. It just becomes too powerful.
0: I love your use of the word commitment. I oftentimes say when I'm speaking in life, you're either interested or committed. And if you're interested, you're going to talk about it. You're going to think about it. It's going to be one day, someday, eventually we'll see. But when you're committed it's going to get done. It's going to get done now. It's going to get done now. That sounds like that's what's happening there. Another comment in the chat room says, successful together, what a wonderful tagline. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and look,
1: the reality of it is when you have a tagline, it, be, it can become an opportunity for people to shoot holes in it. Yeah. So you truly have to be, and I'm going to use your words because you use them out. You have to be committed <laughs> to it. You must be committed to it. So successful together is, is a great tagline and it's so important. And if you think like that, is this make us successful together? Sometimes tough decisions in business have to be made that are in the best interest of all of us successful together. That is how you have to think of it. So it really does. And if you believe it, it really does work. It's so simple, but it's two simple words that everybody knows. I mean, again, not, not you don't have to be this Harvard educated genius to be successful in this country. You can just be passionate, committed to what your 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 views are. You know, innovative, forward thinking, growth mindset. Always believe that you have to grow constantly to to keep moving forward.
0: And, and I saw your giving firsthand because when I was working on my dissertation, I needed to do some studying, some research, and the members of your team participated in my research on authenticity. And I was like, wow, they made time. They made time for me. They'd love to give. So I thank you for that too.
1: We made time because someone again successful that someone said to us and you know, Tim Killian said, I have this friend and he needs our help. Okay. He's your friend. We can help. And you know what? You never know in life when you say, Hey, Dr. James, I need help. Can you help me? That's how life goes. It just happens that that you know that's how the it's just a circle. It just kind of works that way. And if you believe in it, it's easy.
0: I love it. And I'm going to put you in the hot seat right now. We have a, a segment. A segment on. I guess you're thinking I'm on a hot seat every day. <laughs> we have a segment called the hot seat, and what it is, I'm going to give you a word, and actually, I'm going to give you a number of words, and once you hear the word. I'd like for you to share the first word or thought that comes to mind about that word. Don't want you to think long, don't want you at all. We don't want you to edit. You get the word, what comes to your mind. No problem. You ready? Yep, first first word. Family. Everything. Love. It's it's it means diversity. Everything. Diversity. I need to work on it more. Leadership. Give to others. Commitment.
1: Passion. EDA. Family.
0: Change. Inviting. Fear. Natural. Pandemic. Tough. Growth. Opportunity emotional intelligence strength ed deangelis you are off the hot seat all right, <laughs> all right. now i put you on the hot seat a little bit earlier while we were in the green room i said that painting behind you yes i'm liking it i, I wouldn't mind borrowing it and you said no way tell, tell us about that painting and-, and why does it its significance and why does it mean so much to you
1: you know it, it means a lot to me because it's it's really construction workers back in the 30 40, 30s and 40s and my grandfather came from Ireland you know as a 11 year old boy lived in an orphanage worked in construction and that's all that that, that picture is of the immigrants that built this country and in today's day and age we need to recognize that the greatness we don't know where it's at and and what that picture tells me is you know what, we didn't get here without somebody else sacrificing something to help get us here. And those are people up on a beam back then where reality is they were not even safe. I mean, they're like, you know, and we put a lot of these immigrants in danger and they were willing to do it because they were the type of servant leaders. They wanted to give their family, their next generation, their life. none of those guys on that beam's lives were that great, but they gave other people the opportunity, like myself, to be, and then it's my obligation, it's my responsibility to remember that and to help move it forward. So that painting for me, because it's in my industry, construction, it, it means a lot to me about diversity. Because again, they were the white, Irish, Polish, Italian. They were, they were, but they were not welcomed here. And I love the fact that they were a big part of building this, and that's uh, it. Just kind of encompasses what I believe in my
0: heart, so and, yeah. And, it. In, in building that, in building that, building the culture you've built, the, the EDA way, the EDA cares, what bothers you, what is a, a non-negotiable, if you saw that happen at work, or heard someone say it, what, what gets under your skin for a short period of time, I'm sure you rectify it, what bothers you,
1: you know, I think an arrogance or an entitlement to me really gets. You know, I really get fired up when you know, when someone says, you know, we deserve this. I deserve this. And you know what? No. You know, the only thing we deserve in life is love and goodness. You know, that's the only thing we you know we we really deserve. Other than that, you know, we all have to work hard to get where we want. We have to be committed to whatever we are we we love and. And to be entitled that you think you deserve something because of who you are is so difficult for me to understand. And it, it's hard. And I learned so much more from the people who have nothing. They are so much more powerful because they just they they, they don't expect anything. So they they're just so much healthier. And they're the people I love to, to help because they don't have that. You know, and, and it's in a great way. And it bothers me that we too much, and I've done it as a young man, like, why did I get not this or why wasn't I entitled to this or, you know, and you gotta get that, you gotta get rid of that because it really stops you from being the best you if you, if you, because it's really just a a barrier. So it, it annoys me when people are arrogant about, you know, where they feel they, they should sit and they're entitled to this. Enti- no one's entitled to. You're not entitled to poverty. You're not entitled to to live in this country. You're not entitled to not have a disease. You know what I mean? Like,
0: it doesn't work that way. It just doesn't no, work that way. Speaking of not working that way, uh, 2020 threw off the curve. Curveball called the pandemic. Um, you have folks that are on roofs. You're building. I imagine, and you have folks in, in the corporate office. How how did the pandemic? impact your 2020? And what changes did you make? And what changes are you continuing to make right now? Yeah,
1: I mean, look, you know, back in March, when it really, you know, hit the fan, the pandemic, you know, we had to have an executive team had to have a tremendous amount of meetings to discuss because you had to think about the EDA way, how we're we going to care for our people, there's a lot of fear, a lot of fear out there. So how do we do this? At the same time, we have to survive as a business so you know to be honest it gave us a great opportunity to really kind of reinforce and confirm to the individuals at eda that the eda way is how we're going to guide ourselves as we move forward even in this pandemic and there's going to be some tough decisions there's going to be but if we do it out of care and we think about people as human beings and think about our business it gives us an opportunity to reinforce what we believe in Um, it also has allowed us to really, I think, understand that there is gonna be a way to work remotely that is gonna be able to move us forward. We were able to, to sustain our business with a lot of remote work. Um, I don't believe overall that people should be at home all the time because I believe in community. And I believe in the value of speaking to people and being together. So I think but I think there's a balance. I was an old school person who who definitely wouldn't think that in the past. And I think it's educated and I think all the industries are learning that we we can adapt to this new this new way of doing things. And maybe we can just keep moving that into the the future and take an opportunity for something terrible and make it make some make some something out of it. That's
0: awesome. That's awesome. And there's a question here, I believe is from someone in your organization. It ties into diversity and, and strategic thinking. It says for Ed, what opportunities or training is available for Black men who may want to start learning the skill of carpentry? Um, so, what do you yes, think? So so I
1: have a we have a foreman, Cody Nixon, who came to me and said, I would like, and he's and he's a, a you know black man. And he said, look, I'd like to do something to help people in my community. So we started a program called Reboot. And
0: I was gonna ask you about that. The Reboot, talk to me.
1: So Reboot is is an outreach program to help people in the minority community come into the Carpenters Union or any union for that matter, but just introduce them to, to the things that you have to deal with and then, Give them tutelage, give them advice, help them, teach them some math, give them some emotional intelligence. Let them have a community of individuals, because you are as the well, we we need more. So there's not enough out there to be your mentors and be mentors to these individuals. And it's an effort. And that's where I'm saying when diversity, you have to, you have to be, you have to have a strategic plan. And that's what we wanna have. We wanna have a strategic plan to get into these communities, speak to people, and then it'll grow grassroots. But we, we don't mind being a starter. Let's get, the, get them in, care for them, monitor them, hold them accountable, talk to them. If they have problems, whatever are within what they're dealing with, we can help them through it. Instead of just throwing them into the fire and letting them try to make it when the reality of, of it is they're swimming in a, in a pond that they never you know they're, they're a duck that's never been in that pond. And we're just there to help them. And, and this program is, I'm passionate about it. He, the person who's you know who whose brainchild it was cody nixon he's volunteering all his time to help it it's it's a it's a great it's a great opportunity and you know we try to encourage as many people as we can and then we want to go back and have these same individuals go back into the community and show the community that the skills that you get in the carpenters union you can use to help each other and then that just gets its and that's how that's how most things happen that your father or uncle or, or someone did some work and you saw them do it, you got intrigued with it, and then you become, but if you've never seen anyone in your community doing that type of thing, well, then you just don't have any experience to it. You're not exposed to it. That's all it is. That's, this program is simple. It's
0: continuing, very simple. Continuing to be disruptive. I believe that we've made diversity, equity, and inclusion hard and it's not. No, it's not. It's not. It's have you guys talked about programs dedicated to women, women carpentry or women roofing? So, so you know, we obviously have a,
1: a you know, we're wide open for women to, to come into the industry. I think that it's going to be something that we, you know, we promote the ones that we have. We don't have enough. You know, I think that'll be another growth place that we could do more. Um, I think that'll be something that we have to encourage as we keep moving forward. It's exciting that that could be another place where, again, think about it. We lose the whole group of women. We don't have enough. And you can't tell me there's nothing that we do in work, whether it's masonry, roofing, carpentry, panels, that women can't do. They can do it. We're, we're not, you know, not everybody's on Schwarzenegger in construction. So, <laughs> You know, it's not like that. So there's a lot of skills and I see it all over the place, but yeah, we need to do a better job of that would be a next, you know, the next place that I could see that we could continue to keep introducing it because we do have some and they're awesome. They just give a different, again, greatness is the diversity provides a different type of greatness all the time and, and women are built a little differently. So that means their brain's going to operate differently, which can make us better they're going to see all the blind spots that we have as sure. you know the way we may think women provide an opportunity to to fix some of that as much as if it was just men in, a, in an all-woman industry you want to have you know I, you know nurses for example i think they love having men male nurses sometimes because it's mostly women so it just gives a different perspective so i think it's it's a reality
0: and a question i should have asked you at the outset take us back to the evolution of EDA contractors and what went into the acronym EDA. I think I know what you're the expert. So take us back to the evolution and a question in the chat room asked, what does EDA stand for? So sadly, you know,
1: EDA stands for my name. Ed Sadly,
0: I'm Dr. James with That's my company. <laughs>
1: Sadly, it's not. Again, here we go. Simple guy. Didn't really think too hard. Just you know, you know, thought about himself and wanted to have his name in there. So, you know, that's where there where it became. And and look, and that's the reality of it is. When I started EDA, I was a different person. And you know what? I don't know if it's a how band. so. How so? You know, I really, I really the person I cared about the most was EDA, me, you know, and that, and I don't, I'm not saying I was a mean or, but, you know, sometimes when you are, you are in the foxhole of trying to do something, you just really got to block everything else out. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, I was driven to be successful because I felt like it was gonna define me. And and I wanted that to be the case and I was probably not the greatest. I mean, I think I was a good husband. I think I was a good father, but I think I could have been, I was just so focused on it. And when you're, you know, for, I tell the story and I don't mind telling it for five, five years before I started EDA when I was working at my previous company, I would dream about doing this all the time. Well, I would say once a year, maybe, once a year at least, I wake up and go, did I do it? Like I dream, like I'm still back in that. And that's the power of your mind is when you were putting your mind to something, if you truly put your mind to it, it's amazing how it becomes part of you and, you. and that's what I'm saying. So it became part of my ritual of dreaming. And then when you do it, you get my optic and you just think about that and you have tunnel vision. And it took a while for me to kind of come out of the tunnel vision so the evolution of, me, of EDA, I am part of that. I think I've evolved and, and I've grown in it. And I hope in the next, you know, I hope I live that long, 20, 30, 30 years, I hope to continue to grow as
0: EDA does the same. You talk about growing. I know you're an avid reader. What types of books do you feed your mind or what do you do to stay sharp?
1: Yeah, look. If there's one thing that has made my as I have, I didn't read. If I read five books between ten and thirty, I would be lying to you probably because <laughs> I probably did Cliff Notes or something. I would tell <laughs> the folks there's <that> Saint Joseph. Yes, I want tell people Saint Joseph on the But since then, I've read hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of books and. And the reality of it is they go from, you know, I find, you know, they first started off with business type books, then they became psychology mindsets and emotional intelligence. And then it's different people who have done different things, powerful people, people with in war. I just read a book called The Some of Us, which is about mm. the, the cost of, of not having diversity. That meant a lot to me because I wanted to understand what I can do to be better. So, books give you a great opportunity. And you really, what happens for me was it led me to other books and it just kept me in this, I'm like swimming in this, you know, And I got a bunch of books behind me. And there's certain authors that, you know, Adam Grant for me for Give and Take, who's, that really changed my life because at one point taking became, it didn't feel right. But if I can take the give, yeah, I live in a nice home. I drive a nice car. So I don't want to act like I'm not Mother Teresa. But I think you can still be happy with who you are and still see the opportunity to give. And it just it and now it's wide open for me. Because now it it doesn't restrict me from saying, Look, I grew up in a row real home. Reality is I'm doing well. I, I could just stop. But stopping. I, I'm not going to stop being me. I, 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 there's no option. I don't want to stop. The only time I stop is when I'm six foot in the ground. I
0: mean, I don't want to stop. I love it. I love it. There's a comment in the chat room says, thanks for your passion and for bringing it back to what matters at work and at home. Hmm. So passion, passionate, definitely coming through. Someone, if you, if you want to ever change the name of EDA. From standing for Ed DeAngelis, it could stand for Equity Diverse Association. (laughs) I like it. I like it. They they are loving your contribution. Ed, last part of the show is one of my favorite parts is the mini, M-I-N-I, the mini keynote. I'm a speaker. I speak virtually and in person. I love running my mouth, as you can see. But I want to give you an opportunity right now. 30 seconds. To look at that camera like you're looking at thousands of people and talk to them about a call to action, what the world needs now, whatever's on your mind, this is your 30-second keynote for you to drop the mic afterwards. Your 30 seconds, Ed DeAngelis. What I would say, now. what I would say is
1: number one, don't let anyone else define who you are. Mm. Be who you want to be and do it with the most commitment and passion and excitement and enjoy it and love it. And yes, you're going to have hard times, but hard times give you an opportunity to learn. And if you do that and you can be you and be caring and just be pleasant and be positive. And that doesn't mean like walking around, you know, you know, telling jokes. I'm talking about just being happy who you are. And the only way you can be happy who you are is if you do what you really love to do.
0: I love it, I love it. Ed, thank you immensely for for bringing your experience, bringing your thoughts, bringing your models and how you've made something extremely challenging easy, diversity, equity, inclusion. Thank you for being such a charitable organization for giving, for giving, for giving, for caring For running an organization that supports each other immeasurably, thank you for spending time with us today. And now you're part of the alumni association. (laughs) We'll be giving you some love. Listen, for those of you who are watching, hope you were taking notes. I hope you were taking notes. Uh, Ed shared a lot, a lot for us to use immediately—not to plan, but to do it now, to take action now. And we'll see you next week. Another compelling show. And like I always say, you've just been gimpacted.